0: Kiddo, did you get your home insurance yet? Hippo? Why didn't you go with what we have? Outdated? Ridiculous. Our policy covers pewter, dishware, stock certificates, furs. Most home insurance policies are painfully outdated. Hippo is different, with more coverage for the things you actually have today. And Hippo can cost up to 25% less. I hear pewter's making a comeback. Visit myhippo.com to get a quote in 60 seconds. Hippo is a licensed property casualty insurance agent with products underwritten by various insurance companies. Covered subject to underwriting qualifications. Savings vary. edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, T.J. McBride of Mile High Sports, and sitting to my right, as always, this is Anil
1: Opio of Mile High Sports as well, uh, covering the Denver Nuggets alongside T.J. McBride and the rest of our crew over here, um, King of Thornton, Jeff Morton, Dev Johnson, Matt Smith, Brendan Vote, the whole crew, also dabble in some Colorado Rockies stuff, so locking down all things Denver sports for MileHighSports.com, Mile High Sports the Magazine, Mile High sports, sports Radio, Mile High sports, sports Podcast Network, like everything.
0: I had nightmares last night about this Lonzo topic that we talked about, by the Dude, way. I went
1: home. No, I went home and I turned on the o That was, like, the first thing I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love how we we, we recorded this podcast or yesterday. We were like, this Lonzo hates awful. You know what we should start doing is introing every single podcast with this NOS trashed. now. So, yes, we will be doing as much NOS pushing as we possibly can yes. for the remainder Until of the, the show. Until the diss track comes out. NOS, if you're listening, where's the <laughs> diss track? NOS, if you're <laughs> listening. NOS is not listening yeah, to the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. But... This is going to be a little bit more of a different edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. We've done a lot of game recaps and a lot of breakdowns of players that are just mostly in these singular game events. But today we're going to go kind of player by player for the youth of this Nuggets team and kind of the guys who have stepped up or have fallen back without Paul Millsap or Nikola Jokic in the lineup. So the guys that we're going to be talking about is Juancho Hernan Gomez, Emmanuel Moutier, Malik Beasley, Trey Lyles, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris today. And we're gonna rank them great to worst. Where do you want to start, Anilo? Let's start at the bottom. We'll oh, go exponential.
1: We'll start with the worst and we'll head to the top because I know there's a, there's a few guys at the I don't know is it technically the top or the bottom of that list, but the good the guys who
0: have been really really
1: good. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, you know incredible stuff to kind of talk about with those guys. So let's start with the bad, kind of get that stuff out of the way. So out of this forward.
0: list, Wancho, Moutier, Beasley, Lyles, Murray, Gary Harris, who is the guy that has least impressed you oh so gosh, far? It's absolutely, Wancho Hernan Gomez.
1: He has been so bad. I mean, and and this is the thing, because you can make the argument, you know, that Emmanuel Moutier has been worse potentially, but I mean, we talked about it on the podcast last night, TJ, that the Nuggets needed Wancho to be this guy this year, take the step, show the progression, and start to step up and and give them, you know, 15, 20 minutes of quality play a night and score and, you know, instill the core values of the offense and the defense, and quite frankly, he has just not been able to do that. He looks like a complete deer in the headlights, personally, in my opinion. Uh, He looks slow. Um, Just out of sync. I don't know if that's more so a testament to him, you know, kind of grinding this entire offseason. But, I mean, you brought up the point last night. It's a guy that played two years professionally over in Spain before making the jump into the NBA. So, you know, this isn't like a Malik Beasley who played, you know, one year at FSU and then made the jump to the NBA. You know, Malik Beasley is legitimately learning how to play an NBA professional style of basketball. Juancho Hernan Gomez has ample experience at the professional levels, you know— or overseas in the second best league in America in the country yeah, being um, in, the in Spain or yeah in the world being Spain <laughs> um so yeah Wancho has been extremely extremely underwhelming in my
0: opinion I look at Wancho's stat line he's playing the exact same minutes as he played per game last year so yeah. he's playing 13.6 minutes a game but his field goal percentage has dropped from 45 percent to 37 percent his three-point percentage has plummeted from 40.7 percent to 31.4 the turnovers have gone up and the assists have stayed the same less rebounds less blocks less steals he has just been very underwhelming across the board and I'm trying to figure out what it is and I'm hoping this isn't just a regression to the mean because we all saw him as a guy who could be a plus defender in time everybody did. at the start of last year I and mean, that was one of the most common topics of conversation between the media members at these Nuggets games was could Wancho Hernan Gomez feasibly be the future power forward alongside Nikola Jokic and bring that ver- that defensive versatility to make this Nuggets team even more scary and explosive than they already are while adding mm-hmm. that three-point shot. That has not played out no, so not far at, at all. all. He's
1: shown little to no progression since the end of the league. And He's been part of this Nuggets team. Uh, he, he has one double-digit point performance this season. Um, I mean, his last three games, two points last night against Boston, zero zero zero. 0 Three five five, yeah. Points, so he's I not mean, getting minutes. Out I mean, of but he, okay. So L.A. he played twenty three five points. Dallas played twelve. So I mean, he, he got fourteen last night. Only put up two points and four rebounds. Yeah. I mean, it's just it is very interesting. You need more production from this guy. Uh, like you said, his field goal. He's shooting like thirty percent from the field right now. It's
0: uh, yes dismal when you start looking at this bench unit i mean normally you can be like you know what it makes sense wancho is like the third fourth option on the bench unit like they don't need his scoring desperately but considering the injuries they have this is not a situation where he has not been allowed to take these reins in and really run with things he has been allowed that time and that exactly i guess he's he's been allowed to really force the issue and be that score because they need him so badly to
1: be that score and here's the thing it's not like this guy isn't putting in the work i mean we've talked about it you know numerous times specifically on this podcast He's one of the last guys in the gym. He, he likes to put up shots. He, he's a grinder. He's always working. In a, I mean, we kind of talked about this with Jamal Murray earlier in the year, you know, when his shots weren't falling. What was that a testament to? Was it just a testament to, you know?
0: I, we just still don't know. No, I mean, exactly. so suddenly but in the it, last it, uh, 14 games, Jamal Murray's hitting like 37% but can of Can you threes. draw the same
1: things with Juancho Hernan Gomez? I worry the work with Juancho more. There.
0: Why so? Because Is it the lack of the the raw ability, you think? It was the fact that he came out last year and hit 41% of his threes and blew everybody away. And we just assumed because of how quick his mechanics were, because of how good his fluid shot mechanics are, that he was just going to be a 40% three-point shooter. That just may not be the case. Like, there is an absolute scenario where he's just a career 33% for three-point shooter. I don't think that will be his situation. I think that he has such great mechanics. I think he has such a smooth and fluid jumper. And I think the release is so quick and it's so high that he'll be able to get his shot and be able to hit it at a consistent rate. But as of right now, you can't just give him that benefit of the doubt any longer. And defensively is where I really want to get into this. He looks like he's stuck in concrete. Like, yeah. his feet look like they don't move when he plays anymore. And I don't know what went into that. I don't know what changed from his defensive intensity last year. Because to start last year, I mean, he got dubbed the KD killer at one point, jokingly, of course. But his defensive ability was there. You could see it in flashes. And it's just gone this year.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, exactly. And, again,
0: part of me wonders how much this has
1: to do with kind of the previous stipulations earlier in the offseason. Playing with the Spanish national team as soon as soon or as soon as the season ended last year. Um, suffering from mononucleosis earlier in the year, I wonder if Wancho is,
0: really kind of, is still kind of just struggling to find himself. And that absolutely could be a case because he was exhausted after playing EuroBasket with Spain this year. Then this... he immediately, and that was after playing summer league as the number two option. He then immediately gets mono after training camp and, is, and misses three weeks. Yeah,
1: and I don't want to look too far well, into the six future. weeks almost. No, yeah, I don't want to look too far into the future here. But I mean, this could just very well be just one of those down years for a player where absolutely. nothing goes right. You know, you were exhausted from your previous season, and you kind of have to just hit reset and weather the storm while you can. Hope you can come back now, to, now Uh, Better next year
0: yeah, and Malik Beasley has stolen a lot of these minutes, too, because Malik yeah. has played so well, and we'll get into Malik more later, but let's move on to Emmanuel God. Moutier, who is the second worst guy, in my opinion, which, I honestly, I wanted to put him worse than Wancho, in my opinion, just Wancho and this small sample size has it's been really Wancho bad. Wancho has literally been able to give you nothing. And they have desperately needed but Emmanuel is in the same boat, yeah. neither of these guys, I mean, uh, I'm going to change my list, Moutier's been the worst guy, in my opinion. He's <laughs> like, the worst has, player on this team. It has not been solid, it's been really difficult to watch him just kind of fall apart throughout this year i mean yes he's getting less minutes now but it's bizarre to look at his at his numbers throughout the past three years and watch his points go down each year he has been in the league to watch his assists go down each year he's been in the league and to watch his rebounds go down each year he's been in the league the only improvement that emmanuel Mudiay has made is that his, his turnovers have gone down from 3.2 a game his rookie year to 2.2 last year to 2.1 this year outside of that assists have fallen from 5.5 his rookie year to 3.3 this year rebounds from fallen from 3.4 his rookie year to 2.7 this year. His scoring has fallen from 12.8 points his rookie year to 9.8 points this year. Yes, the minutes are less frequent. I'm not trying to argue that fact, but but he just isn't showing any kind of development that gets you excited. I mean, there was a situation last night where the second he entered the court, Everything stopped. Everything died. Momentum was killed. They were getting turnovers. It was bad. And Moutier is sucking the life out of this team for stretches. And don't get me wrong. He has all of the tools in the world to be a very good point guard in the NBA. None of them have come together None. into Zero. anything that has made it a functional player yet. He has good moments, but the but the large bulk of the time, he is a huge negative for the Nuggets on the floor.
1: Absolutely. You know, you kind of talk about how he had moments You know, early on in the year kind of turned some heads. He had three straight double-digit point performances early on in October um, there, and he's really just kind of fallen back to Earth. I mean, not even... He's fallen off Earth, really, here in recent time. I mean, just absolutely... just uh, Poor performance all around from Emmanuel media I mean, that's really the way you can put it. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a player kind of be, you know, represented oblivion on a court, like you said. When yeah, he, represent when oblivion when, is when a really good way to phrase that. When he steps on the court, the momentum dies, the flow dies, the chemistry dies. I mean, it, the, the team loses the life. Like You see it happen. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, listen, we have kind of know, I mean, going through last year, we kind of understood that this team had, you know, mixed feelings on where Emmanuel was going to be for the future. I mean, I think this almost puts a fork in him at this point. I think he's borderline unplayable. He's been he is that bad.
0: At least for this year, where the Nuggets are at currently, he is. You can't justify un- playing well, he's him. He's not unplayable because there's no other point guard on the team. Well, exactly. <laughs> but but it, you yeah. have to play him because he's back a backup point guard. But they're just he. I had a guy. I'm not going to say who he is because it's kind of a. Intense comment, but he called Emmanuel Moutier the plague because whenever he comes onto <laughs> the court, everything dies yeah, around him. Exactly. And that's literally how the play felt last night. And it, I mean, he ended up being a negative 20 in 17 minutes on the court and ended up being an eight point loss for the Nuggets in a very close game. And... It was just so rough to watch these stretches of Moutier. And I, I don't want to just make this, let's annihilate Moutier yeah. and say he's no, never going justified. to be It's justified, but let's talk about this in a different sense. He has the tools. You see him put a post game together every once in a while. And you're like, whoa, big guard in the post against smaller guy. Get an easy bucket every time. His finishing at the rim by the eye test has looked stronger. The numbers don't back that up, but he at least looks like he has a better idea of what he's doing going to the rim. He did, and he did come in in shape. He yes, he's in very, very um, much better shape, and his shooting has gone significantly up, especially from three-point land. He shot thirty-one point nine percent from three his rookie year. That went down to thirty-one point five percent his his next year, and then he's up to forty percent right now from three. So he has improved his three-point shooting, mostly off the catch, off the bounce. It's all it's still atrocious, but there has been improvement in his game. But it hasn't been anywhere near enough for him to be a positive player for this Nuggets at the best.
1: Exactly, and I mean we kind of alluded to this a little bit last night in the podcast as well. But I mean it might be. Circumstance of it's just not going to work in Denver. This could be very well be a guy at Moody that gets traded somewhere else. i for, almost accepted that at this point, exactly, and goes somewhere else as a free agent, and he could, you know, develop into this guy that was supposed to be the number seven overall draft pick. I mean, very well. So, we, I mean, the big talking point last night is it takes you know five years for a point guard to develop. I think with the situation with Moody specifically with the Nuggets, I think the the bridges have been burnt for the most part. There's been problems with you know a, a bunch of different factors and whatnot. All across the board, and it just seems like the negative is greatly outweighing the positive right now with Emmanuel.
0: Yeah, and you make a good point where he'll probably have his best play away from the Nuggets because... This hasn't really been reported on, but Emmanuel Moudier is the hardest guy to talk to you from media. Oh, we, without we, Not enough. as in, like, he doesn't give you anything, as in we cannot get him in a room to talk yeah. to him. He has not been around to have a discussion with in any way. Kenneth Farid has been significantly more available this year and than Emmanuel Moudier has. And that uh, And I'm not, I, I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here, but that leads me to believe that he's, Emmanuel Moudier is just unbelievably frustrated with this situation. I think he's
1: frustrated. I think he's disinterested at this point. In time, I don't know about really disinterested,
0: too. because when he goes out there and plays, he gives effort. It's not like he's not giving. I mean, but effort. yeah,
1: that's just natural effort as being a basketball player. And I doing don't think your so. Job. I
0: don't think so. I mean, you have a job to do. You show You're up right, every night. I but mean, he, but there's also guys like like I go back. He's to like, given up on this Ellis. team. Oh, he is not good on this team. That's I, I, it's, it's a hot take that is not able to be hold any weight at this point in my opinion. I j- he
1: just seems so kind of out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I just because
0: know. he is inconsistent. But he's to not say not that he has given up on the Denver Nuggets is way too far.
1: I, I don't think so. Without that, I mean, he's been that bad. I think the Nuggets have given up bad. on him. I'm not I think the Nuggets have given up on production. him too. It's
0: a two way street. They, I, this is the way that it's going to go. I, I want to make this very well known that we don't have any information that the team has given no, up yeah. on him or that he has given up on the team. There is no concrete evidence of this. This is more speculatory talk. But just from being around him and seeing his interactions, I mean, maybe it's just because he doesn't. Maybe he just
1: truthfully hates talking to the media, and maybe that's why I get the vibe.
0: And also, don't forget, I mean, like there were articles last year calling him the worst point guard in basketball and things like that. Yeah, like, there's a lot of hate that has been around for him, so I don't blame him for being like, "Now I'm gonna do this myself" and not. Talk no, and I, and I understand that as well. But at the end of the day, look, I just
1: uh, and I think you and I are in agreement on this. It's not going to work in Denver, it's yeah, just not And that's where to. I keep coming back because and he has this,
0: he has the skills. It's, why? That's not there. And again,
1: what are they going to do with him? Are they going to walk in free agency. Are they going to try to trade him? Because I mean, his value is at absolutely nothing. Like, what do you do with Emmanuel Moutier now? The Nuggets I mean, are
0: getting to a point where they're going to have to decide if they're even going to pick up his rookie option for his last year, yeah. Like, that's really where the Nuggets are getting because you can save yourself three million dollars to go help you know, max guys. That hey, very be around. well could be a thing. Um, and $3 million when you're already an above-the-tax team is a lot of money in terms of cap space. Like That can really change I mean, them. That minimum. Yeah, exactly. But just about to say, Luke Maba yeah. richard has been a guy that they have been able to get on the vet minimum. P.J. Tucker got a vet minimum. Like, these are guys that could really help teams, and Emmanuel mm-hmm. Moutier is not that guy right now. Um, I do think Emmanuel Moutier could eventually be a productive player for an NBA team at some point. As Absolutely. A point I do, too. It's just not going to be in Denver. Yeah, I mean there, there seems to be a rift. I'm there's there's nothing that is said that there is a rift, but it, there seems there's to be one. There's just too much you exactly,
1: you see it. You just I don't see the buzz around Moody when he first got drafted ever coming back even slightly yeah it's just that feeling of this guy could be the future will never come back with Emmanuel Moudier and the Denver Nuggets in the same sentence
0: so out of these six guys really only Moudier and Wancho and Wancho have been guys that have essentially been negatives for this team let's get into some more positive conversation Malik Beasley is the guy that I have third out of six and guys that have impressed me Mm -hmm. is that about where you have him as well so you have Trey ha- Lyles, Jamal Murray. I have Harris those two, him. Trey
1: Lyles and, Malik, and Malik's flip-flopping.
0: So you have Trey Lyles at three. And so you have Trey Lyles essentially doing worse than Malik right no, now. No, no, no. I am better. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So we're on the same page oh, yeah. then. So oh, okay. I, that's my bad. So <laughs> Malik Beasley, there there aren't any crazy eye-popping numbers he's put up. It's just the development that we have seen from him from last year until Absolutely. this year that has really a, changed my a, opinion on him. A
1: product of the system. That's the way that I really love to put it because I know everyone talks about you know the Nuggets rotations and all this stuff and what the future is going to look like. Malik Beasley is going to be a homegrown product when it's all said and done, and when he takes the court as a potential starter or a role player, you know, years down the line if he is still with the Denver Nuggets, a guy that was drafted out of FSU, one of the rawest prospects in that draft. Yes, and an he was a- hurt exactly. from half a college. Yeah, <laughs> that point exactly, too. an athletic freak to say the least. And I mean, you're in terms of definition of a raw talent, I think Malik is as bad as raw as it gets. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say as raw as it gets. They're pretty but- close, because he doesn't have any... What's his best trait?
0: He's, a, he's athletic. his athleticism, but his he, shooting, his ability to push the pace, his defensive sticks, motor, uh, motor. I disagree. You know what I'm saying? So let, let me let me phrase this for you in this way. When you go back to his college career at Florida State before he got hurt, he was putting up efficiency numbers mm-hmm. that rivaled what Kyrie Irving did at Duke in like 8 games. Like he was doing things so productively at Florida State that you were like, not only is this guy a shooter, but he's a high motor, he's a good defender, he's exactly. long, he's athletic. There are legit skills here. He isn't just this no, ball No, no, absolutely. He's not Bruno, Blow, Clow. Like, like you're not getting any of that Absolutely. with him. But even those skills are so raw and inconsistent
1: at times that is trying to well, hone in on those skills. Of course, and that's what no, happens and that's what when you I'm talking play
0: about. seven point eight minutes a game last year and only ten point eight this year.
1: But you look at Malik and based off exactly, and that is a testament to it as well. But you look at Malik and you look at his skill set, and if you tap it the right way, this guy could do everything. He's athletic enough to rebound. He can score. He can push the pace. He can defend. He's long. I mean, he's really everything you
0: want in a combo guard at this point in time. It's just about tapping into that potential. I'm not sure if he's a combo guard. I think, so? I think he's more of a 2-3, to be honest with you. Really? I mean, he's six-five, so we yeah, can play no, yeah, size. Like, I look at him as like, a, a very similar to Will Barton type of player. Mm-hmm. Because Will Barton didn't add these handles and this playmaking until really the past year and a half. Oh, without That it, wasn't yeah. a part of his game yet. And that's something that Malik Beasley has been working on. Mm-hmm. I've talked to Malik about this at Summer League. I've talked about it at practice. talked about it last year during podcasts that we did together. All kinds of different times. That's what Malik has been focusing yeah. on is playing with the ball in his hands. The fact that he struggled so much with that at Summer League... Which is to be expected. When you're, it's your first opportunity to be the number one guy on yeah. the team, it's usually going to be a stretch, and you're going to yeah. be out of your comfort zone. But his control of his own game and how he plays this year has been very important to me. He, It's like almost the definition of in and play. I mean, yeah. you plug him in, and he looks comfortable enough that you trust him out there. And I'm not going to try and beat on the bush. He's shooting 42% from the field and 30% from three. He's been shooting very, very badly, but... Every time he's been on the floor, it feels like he is growing in front of our eyes. And even though he's shooting so badly, the Nuggets are barely, barely, but still a net positive with him on the floor, which is surprising considering how bad these bench units have been that he's been playing with. So his overall plus minus is raw plus minus is 0.3 right now.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that,
0: that's, that, that's a very good number absolutely. considering who he's playing alongside absolutely. with and how bad he's been shooting. And how
1: little playing experience he has at the NBA level.
0: Yes. I. So for me, what's been most impressive for him has been his tenacity on the defensive end. Would
1: you agree with that? And that's where it starts Yeah and Really because I know This is an offensive driven league That's what everyone likes to talk about So you know You see players that are Checking up shots And trying to get 15 double digit points a night I think it is absolutely fantastic that Malik is humble enough To recognize the importance of defense And putting defense almost first Because he realizes He could almost make a bigger contribution On that end of the floor Because of how good The Nuggets offense is
0: I think to build on that I think it goes into How coachable he is And how much exactly. he wants to get better And how much he wants he's, to he's learn He's a sponge of knowledge He is really the embodiment of Michael Malone's philosophy as a coach for me. Him and Gary Harris and Jamal Murray all carry that with them. He's the Malone guinea pig. He's yeah, like well, he's a
1: Nuggets guinea pig. It it's funny you the- say
0: that. There's actually reports, no, not reports, there's guys around the team that have basically said that whenever there's a new drill, they want to work yeah. out or anything like that. Malik, time to get to the gym, bud. Exactly. It's time to go get with Felipe and start right, working on this brand new like muscle memory development yep. training class that we're trying to put together. So it's going to pay off, though, man. It I mean, will. this guy, like, I'm
1: telling you, three years from we talked about it, you know, a little bit last night. Malik, Gary, Jamal, those guys in like three or four years, man. If they continue on these paths that they are, and I mean, a guy Trey Lyles as well. I mean, there's numerous guys on this roster. It's gonna be very special down the line.
0: I'm excited to see if when this Nuggets team gets healthy. If Malik Beasley continues to get backup minutes at shooting guard, and I want to see him play alongside the spacing and the playmaking of Trey Lyles, Mason yeah. Plumlee, and things like ooh, sorry, and things like that. Um, with more spacing, with more playmakers around him. He is just going to continue to get better and better and better because he's not a guy who can create his own offense right now mm-hmm. and he's not going to get there for a little while. He can get to the role, he can get to the hole and he can rise over you if he needs to. He's not going to be very efficient doing so, but he needs to be a product of the offense and I think that we're going to see that happen more and more. And we talked about Wancho Hernan Gomez's struggles. Malik Beasley has essentially stolen Wancho's spot in this rotation in my opinion yeah. at this juncture of the season.
1: Yeah, between Malik and Trey Lyles, I mean those I mean Lyles obviously plays more four, but I mean that you see the absorption of the minutes and whatnot. And that's one thing for sure. Um, you know, Malik has earned those minutes, rightfully yeah. so. Yeah.
0: I agree with that. And Wancho Hernan Gomez has not, and even though he's actually shooting worse, it's the defensive side of the ball exactly. that you, has allowed it's, Beasley to You can on give the court. me something that Wancho can't, and you bring that motor and that intensity that
1: fits in bed with our team right now.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, and they need guys to help to contain dribble penetration yes, desperately, do. and he's a guy who can absolutely do that. So, for me, I have been very impressed with Malik Beasley, absolutely. and there is so much more room for growth for him. Honestly, I'm already looking forward to July to go to Las Vegas to watch him in Summer League once again. Yeah, I think fantastic. he'll, I think he'll go one more year, and I cannot wait to see him just like. He is going to make people look stupid in Summer League. And it won't mean anything, but it's going to be fun for me to watch. So I am going to be selfishly excited about this. All right, so I'm talking about your boy. (laughs) Let's do that. Trey Lyles, man. So when you talk about Trey Lyles, I remember the conversations on draft night about how he's a shooter who can't shoot. Yes. Remember all this? Yes. He's a shooter who can't shoot. He's a big who can't rebound. He's a perimeter player who can't make, who can't play make for others. That was basically the rundown I had been given by a couple Jazz guys. That has not bared out this year. He has not been a great rebounder, but he's averaging three and a half rebounds per game in, four, in you know, 15 minutes, which is fine. That's not a bad number by any stretch, in my opinion. What gets me is when you look last year, Trey Lyle shot 31.9% from three for the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. This year, he is shooting 47.8% from three. And also, by the way, a little tidbit random, the majority of those threes have come off from passes from Gary Harris. They go. have a tandem that I did not expect, but still. Um, from the field last year, Trey Lyle's shot 36.2% on all shots. This year, that's up to 51.3%. His shooting has taken an entirely different leap forward, and that, in my opinion, is what has allowed him to become this different level player and a guy who has really been able to open up the floor for the Nuggets in a lot of different ways. He has been a huge scorer for this Nuggets team on the perimeter. He's added so
1: much spacing. He's been huge for this team ever since Jokic and Millsap both went down. I mean, I'm looking back here at his game log since the Lakers game. I mean, double digit points in every single game except three, and he was at nine in last, night's loss, or in last yes. night's loss. So a guy that has really been doing a lot on the scoring side, I mean, we've talked about his rebounding, you know, not necessarily being where we're expecting it to be,
0: but he's, it's improved. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's improved, but you see the length and his ability to stretch the floor, space the floor. I mean, we talked about Malik being a plug-in-and-play player. I think Trey is that more than Malik just because, I mean, this is the reason they acquired him. Length. A guy that plays a similar esque style, so
0: when you know Jokic needs a rest
1: or when he goes down and is hurting, he can slide it, you know, almost seamlessly, and that's what he's done.
0: And Trey Lyles, what he allows the Nuggets to do, in my opinion, is he almost allows the Nuggets to play they did when they played Gallinari and Wilson Chandler together yes, last year. Absolutely, he brings that perimeter play from a big who can also crash the boards, but can also take guys off the dribble and attack closeouts, or can space the floor and actually hit threes. When he is playing like this, you see the offense open up, and that's what it led to the Nuggets' starters scoring hundred and two damn points yeah. last night against the Celtics. On the Celtics, she was one of, by the way, absolutely, and that was a very important sign for me. And I'm, I think, like we talked about in this last pod, Trey Lyles is going to force Malone to answer a lot of questions that he Without does not want to doubt, answer man. at this I mean, juncture. I don't rate. even think it's not
1: necessarily that he doesn't want to answer. I would almost make the argument that Malone wants this because I mean, I've talked. I mean, listen, and I'm just on the. Gutters with Fareed personally. Yeah. Um, just in terms of how I think he fits with his team. So that's why I think Lie. any the second Malone gets an opportunity to justify playing someone else over Kenneth Reed that fits better, you're gonna see him do it. I think you're gonna see it tomorrow is gonna be an Be careful day. because
0: Malone has also said so many good things about Fareed. No, with so without if we're doubt. going to take what he says to the media in a media scrum type environment as truth, you have to give the validity yes. to what he has also said about Kenneth Fareed. With, without a doubt. And, 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 and that's and why Fareed to his
1: credit has been impressive.
0: Yes, and he and like listen, he had four assists and ten rebounds last night, even though he was. 6 in the field. He was a helpful player. I went back and watched all Gary Harris' plays last night like six times, and you saw Fareed as the crux of a lot of reasons why Gary Harris was able to go off in the way he did. He was setting great screens, he was rolling hard to the rim, he was getting offensive rebounds that was getting better looks for guys. So, this isn't a bash Farid session by any means, no, yeah, but at no. the same time, what Trey Lyles brings to that bench unit when you have both Emmanuel Mudiay and Mason Plumlee on it, allows you so much more spacing and so much more room to operate for guys who desperately need space. And room to operate to be able to be maximized, players
1: absolutely. And I think what, what, what it kind of comes down to is the one-dimensional play of what Kenneth Reed brings to the table. He's a high-energy motor kind of guy. Lyles does could potentially do everything, both on the offensive and defensive end of the floors, in terms of what you need out of a bench guy.
0: I got to give him credit for how effortful he's played on defense, too, because he's not a good defender. He's no, not gonna yeah. be a good defender. He doesn't have the quickness to be a good defender, and he's not strong enough to be a good defender. Like he's not going to be a high-level defender. That will never be a case or situation with Trey Lyles the way he is currently built as a player but you have not seen this level of effort from him in Utah, and that was with Quinn Snyder, I thought. Yeah. like, And and that's not to say he wasn't giving he effort in. in Utah. It's just to say that he is more bought in with Denver, at least by my eye test, than he was in Utah. Absolutely. And I think that's huge for his development down the line because when Gallinari was locked in defensively for those Nuggets teams when they were playing Wilson Chandler and Gallinari together, they were able to force turnovers, get on the break, play wide, and really, really have so much room in the paint to operate however they see fit. Yeah, I
1: agree. It's by design. You know, Trey has been you yeah. To his credit, he's bought it in, and the Nuggets have believed in him as well, and it's paid off for both both sides right now.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, his defensive rating is awful, but so is the bench's ra- defensive rating whenever <laughs> he's on it. So that's kind of the hard situation to look at with him. Anything else about Trey Lyles you wanted to that's hit on? Really, I know that I this mean, is a guy that you really like. I mean, listen, it, it's nothing more than I expect. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Who? We didn't talk about his dunk last night.
1: We did not. That there were so many incredible players last true. night,
0: we completely missed his dunk. Michael Malone said during the preseason training camp when he was at Boulder doing all these different dri- and stuff, he was like, listen, Trey Lyles came with like 15 less pounds on him mm-hmm. and the athleticism is suddenly shining like I have never seen before. Yep. And we saw that transpire last night. And he tried to yam on someone again yeah, last night. Absolutely. He did it twice. He's and it, having fun. I don't think he had fun. That's in a very good point. He, I, there's so many pictures. If you go to the USA Today sports pictures, there's like seven yeah. pictures of him and Gary Harris like laughing hysterically together while on the court playing together in the past few I games. mean,
1: After his la- last season in Utah, which you all know, he kind of fell out of the rotation completely. Uh, I think, and I talked to him before the year started. He was ready for a brush of fresh air. He was a brush of fresh air. He was excited <laughs> for fresh this. Fresh air. I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, he's excited. He's been ready for this opportunity, and he's relishing it. And, you know, Michael Maloney even said it before the year when he wasn't playing. You know, Trey has stayed ready. Trey is capable of playing minutes. There's just not enough minutes to go around right now because we have a gazillion power forwards. So he's getting an opportunity now. He's making the most of it. Uh, making the most of it, and it's really impacting the Nuggets in a positive way.
0: Do you expect him to take over Kenneth Farid's uh, spot in the rotation when everyone gets healthy? Not on your own opinion. Do you think the team decides to? I, I, I do. I, I just think he fits better.
1: Uh, I, I Like I said, his length and his ability to you know space the floor on offense while being able to give you something on the defensive end, I think just, I- again, the NBA, we're going towards this positionless league. Lyles is a more versatile player that can yeah. give you more things. The scoring, like we said, has been off the charts in terms of his progression from years past. I think you got to kind of ride the, uh, the hot hand. And in addition... He's 21 years old. I don't know if he's turned 22 um, since I last checked, but uh, another guy that you throw in the mix of young No, he young just Denver turned Nuggets. twenty-two. Not too I mean, ago. this is the guy that very well, if he progresses potentially, uh, another guy that could be an impact player for this team down the line. I, I think you know, not enough people, not enough people realize how good the potential this guy has is. Um, I think the Nuggets have done a solid job at kind of tapping that. And to Liesl's credit, he's done a fantastic job at responding at the new environment and the new idea of playing for a new team. So to his credit, man, uh, he's really worked and it's paying off for him right now. And that is why I do think he will take over for Reed eventually.
0: I, I mean, if, if the one way I see him being the best possible player for this Denver Nuggets team is if somehow he's able to pack on more muscle this offseason and he's able to play some center minutes as well, if he can end up getting some backup center minutes, even though Mason has been great, but you can get some small ball minutes with him just stretching the floor as a stretch five. I would love to see what that looks like. Obviously, considering how deep everybody is right now, that's a very hard thing to do. So that'll be really difficult, man. I, I just got an update across my phone. Yeah. Okay. For everybody listening to this podcast, I just can't believe this. I hope you guys can continue listening to this podcast because the FCC just voted to undo the sweeping Obama era net neutrality rules that guarantees equal access to the internet. So definitely make sure you guys do what you can to fight that because if you enjoy reading anything about anything on the internet that has any kind of viewership. You are suddenly going to have to pay for it, not to us who are working hard over here and doing what we can to support ourselves in a sports media enterprise and really try and build our own careers, but paying to to somebody that is essentially just some ghost that is just gone. I just got that. I just got that. Net neutrality fell apart on my phone. I kind of had a moment, but let's move forward into Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray over his last 14 games is averaging 16.6 points a game, 3.4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, two turnovers and a steal. He's shooting 46.1% from the field and his three point percentage has arisen 37.3% from three. Even better than that is that he is actually, um, over the last, I believe, yes, yeah, seven games. He is 14 of 23 on catch and shoot three pointers made. That's almost 61% from, uh, on catch and shoot threes. It looks like he is finally starting to come around, and that is going to be huge if his shooting starts to fall.
1: Yeah, and I mean I kind of entered this like I my previous notion of Jamal Murray has always been kind of hot and cold, and that is the way that it it has been for a majority of the year. I mean, you look uh in terms of his point spreads over games, it's been pretty erratic. But I mean recent time, TJ. Let's see. Going back, and I, I just use the Lakers game as kind of a parameter because that's the last time we saw them. He puts up 28 points against the Lakers, 22 points up against Dallas, 15 in the loss against or in the loss against New Orleans. He has a bad game against Orlando, puts up 13 against Indiana, 28 against Detroit, and then 28 again last night against Boston. And, and doing this down, Paul Millsap and um, Nicole Jokic. So I think it's fantastic production from Jamal Murray. Uh, uh, again, we've talked. I've said it like five thousand times now, but the five-year plan for a point guard. Year one was bad for Jamal Murray. Year one for every point guard is going to be bad you're seeing him making those improvements we've talked about him being a gym rat with his work ethic it's starting to pay off um, obviously the biggest thing with jamal has always been consistency
0: yeah it really has to be consistency and that was what will make him an entirely different player is when you can learn how to score not just in bursts but consistently like he did against the celtics he has been so fantastic in my mind in the way that he has kind of grabbed a hold of this alpha dog mentality, and he hasn't been loud necessarily where he's a rah-rah guy, but you just look at him when he's on the court. And there is this tenacity and aggression and anger and chaos and like this burning fire of rage in his eyes at all times. When he's able to play like that, when he is able to kind of take a hold of this team and really push them where he sees that he needs them to go... He becomes an entirely different animal. Yeah. And when he is able to be that guy, he puts the nuggets over the top. And it's a great
1: point. And I know we've kind of talked about this a couple times, but I really want to expand on this a little bit. Is this a product of not having Nicole Jokic and Paul Millsap in the lineup? Yes, 100%. Yeah, and is. I wholly agree. But now how, if you're Jamal Murray, how can you figure out a way to f- carry that over when they do come back? How can you, like, how, what goes into that? I don't is, know. It, is it you literally having to go up to Nikola and saying, like, yo. No, I, I mean, no, 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 and no, I no, agree. No,
0: no, 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 you can't do that. No, and I agree with you that. You need but, to let Nikola Jokic be himself. You need yes, to work with Jamal Nicole, Murray,
1: exactly. But I think it's also more of Jokic needing to realize what he has with Murray because we we always talk about Jokic, you know, being this guy to spread the love and whatnot. You have to hone in on your best kind of players, and when Murray is putting up numbers like oh, these and performing where he is,
0: I no. think I you've got to figure out a way to tap that. Sure, yes, you need to figure out a way to it. tap Jamal Murray, but you do not play favorites. No, no, no But I, that's, 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 that's essentially I mean, not, what not you're saying. i to, not total
1: favorites, I'm just saying you need to figure out a way to get this guy the looks that he needs. Yes. Don't treat him as everybody else, and I'm not saying favor him in a, in a huge light, but always be self-conscious of it. Have it in the back of your mind that Jamal's the guy that we want to get going. You know, like they always draw up plays for Yogis to get going. I think you need
0: to start doing a little bit of the same with Jamal. I disagree. Why? Because they need Jamal Murray for him to be able to They need a point guard. Yeah, they need a point guard. That's not... But at the same time, they need a point guard in terms of they need a guy to play the one position. That's not the same thing as need a point guard. But again, this is... One second. I think it's really interesting what you bring up because they need Jamal Murray to be a very impactful player for the Nuggets to reach their overall ceiling. I'm not Mm -hmm. arguing that fact. For the Nuggets to be at their maximum efficiency and their maximum output, they need Jamal Murray to figure out how to play his game around Nikola Jokic, not Nikola Jokic to Um, figure out his game around Jamal Murray, because those are two very different things. You change who Nikola Jokic is as a player if Jamal Murray is the guy that you were constantly trying to get the ball But I think there's a way to work them in in hand-in-hand. Of course there is. There's there's always a middle ground.
1: But I'm saying, you know, everyone considers Jokic this glue guy, and I think that is still the case, and rightfully so, but I think as the seasons go along, as the games go along, as Jamal continues if he continues to have these kinds of performances, you're gonna see a little bit of a change in the flow. I really do. Maybe change in the
0: flow, maybe you'll see a different aggression. That's what I'm saying. It's gonna be a different stylistic kind of attack. Not stylistic though. I think that's where you're missing the buck on this one. I don't think so because you're gonna Murray playing well changes the core of the offense. You're right. When the offense is operating the way they should. When Jamal Murray decides to take the ball into his hands and just start gunning, he actually hurts the Nuggets.
1: Oh, oh no. without it, and, and that's not what I'm suggesting is what he should do. Because when he does that, I mean, we've seen the repercussions. He's been god-awful in spurts. What I'm saying is the Nuggets now need to figure out a way to utilize the best of Nikola Jokic and the best of the Murray. Well, Jamal of course. That's, all, that's, no, a, exactly. that's obvious. And what Jamal has been able to do without Jokic on the court it is... Awesome for this team. How do you get it to be like that when Jokic is back on the court? Everyone has to make a little bit of sacrifices, and I think it's included with this.
0: Yeah, to assert, Not not much, I, but you, a, little, a little You tinker. do not ask Nikola Jokic to sacrifice his touches to get Jamal Murray no, with and, the ball in it, his hands more. I don't tweak. agree with that It's a
1: tweak in the mentality, is what I'm saying
0: I think you need to stop treating Jamal Murray
1: as this young, you have to almost stop treating him as this young, growing progression point guard Give him his chances. Give him his opportunities Treat him as what you want him to be four That's years been from happening. Now. That has Absolutely. been happening recently and again, It's all about balance, and I think the Nuggets can, you know increase Jamal's performance while not decreasing Nikola's performance. Well I
0: think the reason I think the way that you can get both of those things to work hand in hand is you just play uh, Emmanuel Mudiay less. Exactly. And that's why you've seen Jamal Murray take this leap is that it's not because Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap are out. It does help but they're playing him 25 30 minutes a night. So mm-hmm. he's getting a rhythm while he plays. It's not this constant back and forth close you know the closing point guard is by committee and all yeah. these things. And
1: Millsap is you
0: know Millsap's going to be out for the foreseeable future so I think it's a fantastic thing that you know
1: we expect Jokic to Potentially play here on Friday, uh, you're going to get a lot of run of just Jamal and Jokic minus Millsap, which I think is going to be a fantastic thing because, you know, as we know, that is the core. That is the future alongside Gary Harris and a couple of these other guys. So, I, again, I think it's all going to come with time. But what you've seen here in recent time is the ability of Jamal Murray to step up, you know, when he has to be number one or number two you know when there's no clear-cut person in front of them i think the nuggets and nikola Jokic are going to have to figure out a way to hone in on the best of their abilities together and i think there's a way to do that without sacrificing too much
0: well that's always that's always going to be the goal that's always the but there is a way sense. to do it of course there is that's i mean it's just which way do you go about that and i don't yeah. want to get too much further into this because this is very speculatory i want to look more into yeah, for sure the way that jamal murray's game has altered recently because We talk about him being a rhythm shooter. Talk about him being a guy who really likes to feel like he is not trying to defer to everybody else. It's not that he doesn't like deferring. He doesn't mind deferring to other people. But being the fifth option is different than that. And suddenly now, Jamal Murray is looking like a very competent point guard. He's made good passes. He's turning the ball over less. He's hitting his shots. He's hitting his shots from beyond three. He's not taking tough shots. He's taking good shots.
1: Yeah, And I'm paraphrasing here, but there was a line um, from an earlier homestand that they had. I think it was their season-long seven-game homestand on the first day um, where he said, I've stopped being the point guard this team wants me to be I'm playing my game yes. and that is a beautiful thing to hear from Jamal Murray because that's exactly what he needs to do I feel like for the longest time specifically last year and at the beginning of this year he was in his own head I mean he is his own worst enemy we talk about this guy being a work ethic and a grinder you damn well know he's putting in all that work because he's so frustrated himself and again it comes into the balance aspect of this guy is slowly maneuvering his way around the league and he's slowly but surely figuring it out
0: yeah Plain and simple. Uh, Anything else about Jamal Murray you wanted to hit on?
1: No, I mean, other than he's really, again, the biggest thing with Jamal has always been consistency. As long as he continues to be consistent and establish that, he's going to be good for years to come. It's building off things. It's not having one good game and having five in the gutters. It's time to have two, three, four games in succession of uh, of solid play, which he's done here in recent time. You know, double-digit performances against Indiana, Detroit, and Boston. A lot of great stuff from the Blue Arrow recently.
0: Yeah, and defensively, he's been an absolute monster in my opinion. He's not ever going to be a lockdown guy where you put him on the best point guards in the NBA and he does what he does. But he will give you maximum effort, he will give you maximum energy, and he will not take a possession off on defense. And he will constantly be fighting, and that's what you see from him And that's a
1: fantastic thing. And I I think that could almost be a bad thing in some instances. You put so much effort forward. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But again, it comes into figuring out how to channel that in the right way.
0: Just so you know, too, so when Jamal Murray is playing, the Nuggets offensive rating is 112.8, and their defensive rating is 106.3. That's a plus 6.5 net rating. Yeah, that's, fantastic. that's fantastic, in my opinion. So
1: that's why you don't trade Jamal Murray. That's why you don't trade Gary Harris, who I know we're going to talk about next. Yes, I'm
0: so about. we have gotten through five of the six young players that we've been talking about today. So our list as of right now, the two most under impressive I guess rookies or young players has been Juancho Hernan Gomez and Emmanuel Moudier in whatever way you really want to kind of arrange them I look at it as Moutier has kind of been the worst of them following that up has been really guys who have been productive in Malik Beasley then Trey Lyles then Jamal Murray but that brings us to our number one most improved young player Gary Harris man holy crap.
1: You're seeing Gary Harris take the leap in terms of potential outlook from really good role player to pillar of the team moving forward.
0: He's already been a pillar for me. Yeah. I have been on this. No, I, I got to say that. No, right exactly. Now. No, you have been rightfully so, but I know for a lot
1: of people that have kind of been skeptical of whether or not what they think Gary Harris is going to be. I mean, I think this recent play and his season overall as a whole so far should be more than enough to convince you that this guy should be considered an untouchable for the Nuggets unless eight perfect deal comes across the table
0: so when you look over the last 15 games for, for gary harris which by the way gary harris averages 16 3 and 3 right now he is averaging 19 points 3.4 rebounds 3.3 assists 2.1 steals as to go with 47.6 percent from the field only 35.8% from three, which is kind of low for him. He was kind of mini slumped from three at one point there. And then 82.1% from the th- from the free throw line. When you're putting up 19, 3.5, and, and 3.5 and while shooting worse than you normally do, while adding a game off the bounce, while adding playmaking to your arsenal, while being a guy the Nuggets can fall back on when they desperately need a bucket, or just a good cohesive play and offensive set. He has become an entirely different player than even I thought possible this quickly.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I was trying to think of a good word to kind of put it there and I just don't know anything. Phenomenal,
0: spectacular,
1: incredible. I just don't know. Like, it's just cuz I don't I, I don't want to use like too outstanding of a word because like he's done it in such a humble kind of way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like he flies under the radar while he does it. So I don't want to like make it seem like it's just an extravaganza even though it,
0: he's been so good. It blows my mind It's just solid play. That's really what it is. It is solid play. It's good, solid, consistent play. And he's not a guy who seems flashy, but when you watch him play, when you really watch him, there is a swagger. There is a flash to his game. Like, when he ends up taking a one dribble with his right hand, palm the ball, and literally the ball does not touch his left hand as he takes two steps and sweeps into the lane for a layup, and it's just like the most gorgeous thing you can see. And then on top of that, he was adding, like, right-to-left crossovers, blowing by guys with the left-hand dribble and putting a left-handed tough layup high off the glass over guys like Jalen Brown and stuff like that. This guy's a stud. I mean, when he went baseline spun baseline on Jalen Brown and put that reversed layup off a Euro step off the baseline down, I was like, those are moves in terms of footwork that you have to practice endlessly and tirelessly and relentlessly to really be able to have in your arsenal. Gary Harris just continues to blow my mind every single time I watch him play. The highlights are insane, man. Like All I've been doing, because I'm actually going to be finishing up a piece on the things that Gary Harris showed us in this game against the Celtics where I've been watching just freakish amounts of film. And I'm also doing a Gary Harris playmaking uh, article as well. But when you really start watching film on him, you're just amazed at what he's already able to do and the amount of things he's grown into.
1: I can't even, I mean, just looking at his progression just as a player, look at his points. From the 14-15 season, 3.4 that year increasing from 12.3 to the next 14.9 the year after that, to 15.9 Um, so far this year. Seeing the improvements in there. I mean, his blocks have gone up every year except one. He's going up, he's at, uh, averaging a third of a block right now. His assists have gone up every year from 1.9 to 2.9 now yep. to 3.1. Steals
0: have gone up. Re- uh, I guess rebounds technically Re- are, rebounds are the, .1 the, down they're right up now. and Enough for me. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's getting to the free throw line a little bit more. He's still hitting 39% of his threes. Like It's not like he's shooting badly by any stretch. He's shooting
1: 46% from the field. He's doing a lot of different things. And I mean, his biggest impact is on the defensive and the floor at times too. I mean, his ability to get steals and play lockdown defense and trap players in the corner,
0: I mean, it's phenomenal. He's averaging just a tick below two steals a game right now, which is fifth in basketball. He has been so good defensively holding like some of the better. I mean, there are guys who are going to get theirs. Like Victor Oladipo was just going to get theirs that night. It just didn't matter what you did, but you see him consistently showing that he can turn defense into offense. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Malone had been preaching for so long yeah. and he is really the embodiment of that. So Gary Harris, man, like, there's just not a good, good things to say. He has developed as a playmaker. He has developed as a scorer. He's developed as a catch-and-shoot guy. He's Absolutely. developed off the bounce. He's developed defensively. He's developed offensively as a sniper. He's one of the elite off-ball cutters in the NBA. At this point, it's hard not to call him a top-10 shooting guard in all basketball.
1: I think that's very fair to say. He's trending in the right direction. If not higher. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that will be a house Name, I believe in the league within the next two years He's already becoming that way I'm getting the updates On Bleacher Report I mean yeah. like once you see that Once you see like National media outlets Like that Paying attention to something That is trending That's how you know This team is starting To turn a little bit ahead I mean the Nuggets As an as a whole Have started to kind of Capture the eye Of some basketball fans I've noticed a lot of Hardcore basketball nuts Have the Nuggets As one of their league Play teams this year That they oh, watch yeah. year or Night in and night out So I think Gary Harris Is kind of a full embodiment Of what this Nuggets team Has been striving for Since Malone took over As
0: head coach yeah, plain and simple. Do you have anything else? Because I, I, Gary Harris is I, a guy. I, really I, where I, I just continually what I, saying nice things over and over yeah. and over and over again. And, and like the thing is, too, is he is a good guy. Let like, me ask. Let me ask you this. Let me take this a different direction. Where can Gary Harris further improve? What is the next step? His, I think his leadership and him being vocal on the court. I'm really happy you said that. Um, That's exactly where I was. going Yeah, gonna go.
1: I, I think just him, you know, being the floor general. I think is his next step.
0: Yeah, he needs to end because up being the, the a guy. Thing is, like, I've never, and he's taken
1: steps towards that. Yeah, like, I've seen that happen. And the thing is, the reason I say that is because, you know, I've seen Nikola kind of lose his cool a few times. I don't think I've ever seen Gary really freak out. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? has been a couple plays. It doesn't the, happen but, very but, often. But, but, not, but, but <laughs> You need that, and it's the level-headedness. And I think Gary, we always talk about Gary being 23 and acting like he's 26, you know, 27, 28 years old. That's exactly what he does, and I think the rest of the team, specifically Jamal Murray, can learn a lot from Gary Harris in terms of the progression. Because, I mean, like, he just does not look 23 years old.
0: He just doesn't <laughs> in terms of how I. He carries himself. It's fantastic for this team. It's interesting that you point that out, too, because everyone looks at Paul Millsap as a guy who leads this Nuggets team, and he is a guy who leads this With, Nuggets without team. Without a doubt. On the court, off the court, whatever. I was talking to... Paul Millsap probably a month ago about Gary Harris. I was trying to poke around to see if I can get any quotes about him being a leader and couldn't really quite get anything, but I asked Paul Millsap I was like, what have you seen from Gary Harris in terms of like his on-court leadership and trying to be a guy who puts more pressure on his shoulders kind of thing, and he was like listen, you're not going to hear it from Gary. He's like me like you ain't going to get a facial expression. You ain't going to get words like he just goes out there and does what he does but that is what we have missed without Gary Harris is that that cool and calm and collective idea and just the feelings he brings when you play. It changes the entire outlook and perspective of this Nuggets roster. That ability just to calm things down when the going gets tough—that's a
1: a fantastic point. And I kind of want to like split the roster kind of in half here. You know, we talk about Millsap being a leader. Think of Millsap as like the senior in high school. You know, the the leader of the entire kind of football team or the basketball team or whatever. Gary Harris is the 23-year-old who's probably the best of the young players. He's that junior captain. You know, the one guy who the younger guys—Emmanuel Moody, Jamal Murray, Trey Lyles—they look to him. To kind of be their source because they realize they can relate to one another. A lot of the- I feel like a lot of these guys can't relate to Paul Millsap. They want to be like Paul Millsap, but they can relate to Gary Harris, and that's where
0: he's so invaluable. The one other place that I think Gary Harris could take a leap forward, and it, it it's not easy. This is going to be probably the toughest jump for him to end up taking. But when you look at a guy like let's just say Bradley Beal, right. Bradley Beal is a guy I've consistently compared to Gary Harris as a ceiling, as a, as a potential outcome for Gary Harris. So when you look at Gary Harris's shooting splits, it's something like 80% of his shots are assisted on and 20% are unassisted on. Bradley Beal was the exact same way. Yes. And he took that and he ended up learning so comp. how to really... Assert himself offensively whether and that w- Without anybody else helping him In that way he learned to push His own offense on people no And this is a very very tricky situation Because you don't want to start Stealing possessions from Nikola Jokic And what you can get in terms of great shots from Nikola Jokic But if Gary Harris gets a mismatch Like there was a couple of times last night where he got Daniel Tice On him and he was like alright I'm crossing you to Oblivion and I'm going to go dunk Like I don't care I'm getting by you and I Want to see more of it I want To see that aggressive Gary Harris we saw last night against the Boston Celtics because he's going into it and when he does that man like it's I I constantly battle with the ideology you don't want to take the ball out of Nikola Jokic's hands but Let's just say Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are able to have these kinds of games from time to time. How do you guard this Nuggets team if Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are just going bonkers? It'll be and hard. And then you have to take guys off of Nikola Jokic to play up farther on them defensively. No, you exactly. can't do that.
1: It's very, very, very hard. It's going to be difficult. But I mean, listen, this team is an embodiment of what they want to be moving forward. I mean, there was the, the ESPN piece that came out earlier in the year comparing them to the Warriors and whatnot. <laughs> what you just said, though, in terms of when they peak like we think they can, in terms of drawing the attention of defenses that essentially creates a Warriors-esque kind of system.
0: Yeah, and that's what you see from Clay Thompson. Exactly. He just decides he's going to shoot over you. It's
1: the ability to be so freaking good that even if you are defended, you have the confidence to shoot your shot. That, I, I 100% believe that's where Jamal Murray, Nicole and Gary Harris are all trending.
0: Yeah, I agree with that as well. I mean, that's all I got on Gary... That was, a fun, that was a fun podcast.
1: Absolutely. we got to do more player breakdown podcasts. Yeah,
0: we're going to start doing more of these for sure. But that is it from Denver Nuggets Daily today on a Thursday morning. Almost noon, so we made it still in the morning. Anilo pierre has got a yeah. finals today, so send your, your love the and last good vibes to Anilo Pierre. One
1: more final, TJ, and then I'm off. I could focus on all Nuggets. I'm taking a road trip to Cali. Going to go do some cool stuff out there. Life is about to get a lot better.
0: Good. Looking good. forward How to it. How many cups of coffee have you had this finals week? Oh my god
1: Like not many So like here's the thing Is I was sick And like I've been like When I get sick I kind of like just Like to flush my system <laughs> out So I'm like alright Let's take a chill pill So I, I Surprisingly I kind of drink more coffee Before I come here Believe <laughs> it or so not funny. Because I want to be like Amped for the podcast <laughs> And that's the thing is like it's the balance Of being a student But also being a professional Journalist It's a fun life But uh, it's a crazy life I'm gonna go with some coffee After this I like yawned like about 900 I'm times during this I'm struggling right now so, Without coffee <laughs> But it is um, Yeah Before noon on Thursday Like I went to, I dropped you off at your crib last night, went home, went to bed. You were the first person I saw again today. Yeah, sounds about like right. You up. This is what we the do. The life
0: of the sports journalism world. <laughs> it's funny, because I think I'm pretty sure I texted you at like 2:30 in the morning last night, too. At yeah, just <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. When you work on a beat with somebody, you have a little bit too much connection. It's like with that brothers individual.
1: bound at the hip, like you and Ronnie. Like you guys are like legit my extended family. Like I'm in contact with you guys all the time. Um, it's fun though. Locking down all things Denver Nuggets from Allie Sports. Another edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Um, I don't even know what number this is, but we're pumping them
0: out, Teach. Yeah, we got a, few a more good this time this week. We yeah, got a yeah, game tomorrow. A the Nuggets will be playing the New Orleans Pelicans back at home, where they are ten and two. It's mm-hmm. going to be a big game for we'll them. Have,
1: <gasps> we'll have a podcast after that, and we call it Denver Nuggets Daily because we're trying to have five a week, five uh, five podcasts a week. So I mean, you think of it, five days of the week and whatnot. We want to make sure that the Nuggets fan is in touch and in tune with this team moving forward to the fullest of their ability. If you guys want to? I mean. You guys can follow me on the Twitter stream, at APRO Sports. I always love answering your questions. I also do my post-game periscopes, um, which I know a lot of you guys
0: really appreciate. And they've been gone for like 11 days. No, exactly. So So
1: the game tomorrow night against the Pelicans is certainly going to be a fresh breath of air for everyone to kind of get back in the Pepsi Center.
0: I cannot wait to get back in the Pepsi Center and start talking to these guys. It's a long six-game road trip, man. And also, if you are enjoying this podcast and you happen to want to advertise your business with this podcast... Make sure you email Anilo, what was your email man? Anilo, vpiro, at gmail.com,
1: A-N-I-E-L-L-O-V-P-I-R-O, at gmail.com.
0: And you can hit me up at McBride 3793 at gmail. Any kind of interest you have in advertising with the show, we are always looking for new advertisers. No so definitely reach out to us, but it's time for you to say adios, man. I'm ready to get right.
1: I will catch all of y'all later for TJ McBride. I am Anilo Pirro. We'll see y'all at the Peppy Center tomorrow night. Adios! straight with the rock. you feeling like a Hey kiddo, congrats on the new house. Did you get your insurance yet?
0: Good, good. Hippo insurance. Weird name. Why didn't you go with the one your mother and I use? Outdated. that's ridiculous. Our policy covers,
1: let's see, pewter dishware, rare coins, fur coats. Well, no, we don't have any of that anymore, but who's to say we won't? No, not much coverage for computers, but those are just a fad
0: most home insurance policies were created in the 60s and provide too much coverage for things you don't need and not enough for things you do like computers and appliances hippo is different with four times the traditional coverage for computers and home office equipment
1: plus mechanical breakdown coverage we make switching easy and hippo can cost up to 25 percent
0: less i hear pewter's making a comeback don't find out your coverage is outdated after it's too late visit myhippo.com to get a quote in just 60 seconds Hippo is a licensed property casualty insurance agent with products underwritten by various insurance companies. Covered subject to underwriting qualifications. Savings vary.
1: Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.